Thank you, Bruce, for your very kind words and your warm welcome. Uh, this church has a special place in my heart because I've known it from the time it started, from Hudson Salisbury days over the years. You know, in Hudson Salisbury, Tom Marshall, any of you remember these ones? Frank Garrett, and then later on, Eric Chambers from the Baptist Church. These guys were the forefront of the charismatic move. I was the youngster who, who was just beginning his ministry and got to know this man. What great men of God they were, and of course their wives as well. Amen. So it's a privilege to be here with you. I was here last, Easter before last, and it's good to see you again. I pastored our church for 40 years, which I founded there. Previous to that, I was 10 years in Christchurch with Pastor Peter Morrow, who was one of the fathers of our movement, and we worked together, and then the Lord called me to the capital city. Amen. Well, <laughs> let's begin our message, and today, this message was born out of what we have particularly experienced over the last year. The coming of the, uh, of the, you know, the COVID-19. COVID-19 upended the whole world. Not just some of the big countries, but some of the smallest countries on the planet. Some of the island nations that we are around us. We too are not geographically that big. But, you know, when you have a famine, it's localized. When you have an earthquake, it's localized. When you have a flood, it's localized. But I don't know of any event since the World War II that has so shaken the whole world. And you know what he's done? is brought to the surface a lot of the hidden things, showed people's anxieties, yeah. fears, insecurities. For, and of course, for us who believe in the Lord, you know, whether our faith is strong or our faith is weak and needs strengthening, there is no place to hide. Hebrews 12 says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And we, we have, uh, this is some of the shaking. Yeah. But you know what shaking does? Shaking separates those who are absolutely genuine and authentic from those who are nominal and simply just going through the motions. So there's a separation not just between uh, Christians and non-Christians, but there's a separation among Christians of those who are simply nominal and those who are really on fire for God. And so out of this, over the last four or five months, this message was born and it has grown and grown. And of course, uh, we can only give you the headlines today. I'm sure you can develop that. But I want to speak about, if, if that's what's happening, how can we serve the Lord better? How can we give ourselves more wholly to the Lord? So my title of my message today is, How Can We Optimize 2021 and Beyond? 
And optimize means to make the best use of it, the maximum use of it. And as the Lord began to speak to me, as the Lord began to speak, it just grew from one end of the Bible to another. And I think I've written this message out at least six or seven times. <laughs> all right, and even now I've scribbled all over the place. Nobody can read it by, but myself. Okay, so I want to begin with this. Okay, you know, the aver- I just saw it in the paper, I think it's Saturday. The average lifespan of a New Zealand male is 80 years. The average lifespan of a female is 83.5 years. So do a quick mental arithmetic <laughs> out of that. Take out you know, what you are at the present time. And some, uh, some might, of us might be surprised <laughs> how much little time we've got left. And others might think we've got a lot of time. But things can happen. And even if you're a young person, your life can be just taken away just like that. And therefore, all we got is the present. What can we do from one day to another? How can we maximize each day? When tomorrow becomes today, how can I maximize that? That's the question that I'm addressing. And we live, of course, we live in a space-time dimension. In the present time, we live in a space-time dimension. So that every one of us has a past, every one of us have a present, and every one of us have a future. Hallelujah. And this message applies to every one of us, no matter what age you are. I'm sure you have a desire, Lord, however long I've got left on planet Earth, I want to make the best possible use of the time that I've got left. I'm so glad God laid hold of me as a young person my last year at university in Christchurch. And then I worked in commerce for five years, and the Lord called me to the ministry. And now I've just celebrated 53 years in the ministry. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I only offer this as a testimony of what I've discovered. I'm more, you know, I'm more excited about the Lord now than the day that I received Jesus as my Savior. That was a great day. God should never become boring. If it happens, it's a a great travesty. Christian life should never become boring. Yes, you can go through difficult times, yes. It should never become boring. Something's wrong because we, and Jesus came to give us life. And wherever there's life, there's freshness, there's growth, there's development, there's an ongoing so I want to start off with three, three scriptures. First of all, Ephesians chapter 5, very quickly. Some of them I'll give you references for the sake of time. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, and reading from verse, verse 14. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. It's another way of saying optimize your time. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Be understand what the Lord's will is. The second scripture is in the next book, the book of Ephesians, that shows to us 
the passion of the Apostle Paul. And he says this, and we're just going to take one verse. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which the Lord has called me heavenwards. Notice this words, forgetting what is behind, past. All right? Gold uh, and, and pressing towards the goal to win, future. Pressing on, present. There's a behind, there's a before, and there's a beside. There's a past, there's a present, and the future. We can only live in the present. Some try to live in the past, and you won't succeed. And some try and live in the future, yeah, okay? And you won't succeed if you only try to live in the future and mortgage the present. But you see, past, present, and future are not watertight compartments. The past impacts the present, and the future impacts the present. Okay, so there you see it on the diagram there. The red one is the things that we, if we don't deal with these dangerous, toxic emotions or events, how that will impact the present. And have you noticed this? There's a broken line and there's an unbroken line. You can go, the past impacts the present, but you can't change the past. Are you with me? And then, and then but there also the green arrow represents the things in the past that can have a great, profound, great impact, positive impact on the present. On the other side, the future, those double arrows, the present impacts the future, positively and negatively, and, and uh, so both the green red arrow is the, is the negative influence and the green arrow is the positive influence. So what I'm going to spell out to you is I'm going to give to you now, first of all, four negative things that if we don't, the, the Paul uses the word forget. So these are some of the things we ought to forget. Forget by dealing with it God's way. I need to qualify that. Because the Apostle Paul doesn't tell us to forget everything. Because in, in chapter 3, in the beginning of that, he says, I want to remind you of certain things. So it's not forgetting everything from the past. It's certain things from the past. So very quickly, what are these things from the past we ought to forget? We ought to forget the sins of the past. And sinful habits. Now, because this is so fundamental to Christianity, I'm just going to give you the verses. 1 John, chapter 1, Epistle of John, verses 7 to 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. But there are millions of people don't know that only through the atoning work of Jesus Christ can you receive forgiveness of sins. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They tried to cover the nakedness with fig leaves. What did God do? God rejected their self-righteousness and gave to him his righteousness. He allowed animals to be killed, blood was spilled, and he took the skins, and that became the garment that the Lord accepted. Do you know what that is? That's the beginning of the true religion, Christianity, and all the religions of the world. Religion cannot deal with the problem of sin in a way that's acceptable to God. Because without the cross, 
there is no forgiveness of sins. Human beings cannot cleanse the past, deal with the sins. Only God can do it. That's why he became a man, to die on the cross for our sins. And so it's not just sins that we need to forgive. This is fundamental, so I'm going to pass on because of our time. Okay, secondly, is 1 John 3 verse 6. If we are Christians, we do not continue to live a lifestyle of sin. Because you see, going back, if we don't deal with sins God's way, you know what you'll experience? Guilt. Guilt. Guilt is universal. Because when you break God's law, that's the result. You feel guilty. So how can you have a clear conscience? Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us, our conscience. But secondly, it's not only sinning. It's not always just going back to and asking the Lord for forgiveness. That's one part of the answer. The second part of the answer is God wants us to be overcomers. Overcome sin. We're not perfect yet, but we are to overcome sin. Because you know, one of the great benefits of overcoming sin is you enjoy inner freedom. Jesus says anyone who practices sin is a slave of sin. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. <coughs> what kind of freedom is he talking about? He's talking about the inner freedom. Egypt in type was the house of bondage. Moses was used, was a type of Jesus, to bring them out of the house of bondage. So the more we overcome sins, brothers and sisters, the more we should enjoy inner freedom. We're not behind prison bars, but you can be free in that sense. Go everywhere you like, but you still take yourself with you. And if you're not free on the inside, you are not free from God's point of view. Are you with me? He breaks that bondage. And so what we enjoy, uh, we ought to really emphasize this, that if we overcome sins, one of the great benefits will be you enjoy inner freedom, liberty, true liberty. And I want to just uh, thank this church, uh, thank you, Bruce, for today remembering Isaac. It was absolutely appropriate. I listened to the memorial service uh, uh, that was conducted in Wellington today. But it's absolutely right. Hallelujah. They made a sacrifice so we could enjoy liberty. And look at the liberty we have. Look at what's happened to Hong Kong. Losing the liberty. Looks happened to Myanmar. Was beginning to become a democracy and people enjoying freedom. And now they're so terribly oppressed. And we live in a country, you know, where we enjoy freedom. The worst thing is to forget the price that people have paid, to take things for granted. No, enormous. And so God paid an enormous price in order to give us inner liberty. Inner liberty. Okay, so the sins of the past, that's number one. Number two, from the past that we ought to forget, we ought to forget the failures of the past. Failures of the past. We all failed. Let me just give you one quick example. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is about to die, and he says, you, they've been with him for three and a half years, and so soon you'll all be scattered to your own homes. And of course, we know what Jesus said. Lord, these other guys might do it, but you can count on me. I'm not going to leave you. And the Lord said to him, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. 
shortly after that, we know that's what, what happened. But on the third day when Jesus rose from the dead and seven disciples go fishing, Peter is among them, and they have breakfast by the Lake of Galilee. We've just been there a year before last, and this is all very fresh to us. And by the Lake of Galilee, they have this breakfast. And then what does the Lord do? Out of the seven, the Lord singles out Peter. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three denials and three assurances. Hallelujah. The psalm says this, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not be cast down. Lift them up with his hand. In God, failure is not final. It's only a passage. And you see, if you don't deal with failures God's way, look at what Peter did. He denied him three times, but do you know how Peter died? Peter died. Uh, we only have got tradition for this. Peter was crucified. He chose to be crucified upside down because he felt he was not worthy of the Lord. Failure at one point, utter success at another point. And right through the scriptures we see this. God chooses the things, you know, the kind of people God chooses, the weak things, the base things, the things that are not. The world doesn't count much of them. Because, you see, you might have failed, but God's grace is far bigger than your sin and far bigger than your failures. We are the trophies of God's grace. Failed thousands of times, he still picks us up again. That's why when the Lord said to him, Peter thought he was being very magnanimous, magnanimous when he said, Lord, shall I forgive seven times? No, 70 times seven, Peter. I don't know if he could do that arithmetic. It says, Lord, you know, as, as, as they ask it, you forgive. That's how the Lord does with us. Okay, but failure is not final in God. They all forsook and fled. Who was at the cross, at the foot of the cross? John was there. Jesus' mother was there. Some of the ladies were there. Where were these great apostles? After three years of seeing miracles, all kinds of miracles, seeing Lazarus raised from the dead. Failure is not final. We must pass on it. The third one, which has a negative effect, are, are disappointments. Disappointments are cumulative. They have a way of building up. Disappointments to me are like worm at the core of an apple. Outside it looks all nice. Inside something is eating away. Disappoints my expectations that are not met. It happens in the home. It happens in the church. It happens in the workplace. It happens in the sport leisure area. If you don't deal with disappointments... It's going to eat you up from the inside. Have you ever seen a sinkhole? A sinkhole for a while, you know, the top is all okay, looks solid, but something is sort of eating away on the inside. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a sudden collapse. It didn't happen suddenly. We didn't know what was happening underneath. Then it collapses. Disappointments have built up for a while. You, you, people looking at you saying everything's going well, but you're being hollowed out on the inside. 
You know what a good picture of that is? Ring, just write down the references, 1 Kings chapter 18 and 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 18, the great Elijah, you know, he is, God used him, called out three and a half years of famine. Ahab was a terrible king of, of Israel. Three and a half years of famine. Then he calls his people up to Mount Carmel. We've just been to Mount Carmel. He calls them up to Mount Carmel. And he says, right, prophets of Baal, you call on your God. We're going to call on our God. Whoever consumes the sacrifice by fire, he's God. And, and Elijah is so audacious, I don't know where he got these gallons of water. He doused the sacrifice with water. And then called God to call fire from heaven. Well, we know what happened. It was an enormous victory. Look at the next chapter. Elijah, Jezebel comes after him. He goes under a juniper tree and says, Lord, I don't want to live anymore. And why did that happen? If you read further on, it's quoted in the book of Romans 2. You know, this is what was eating him up. Lord, nobody else is serving you. I only, I am left. So he's disappointed with his people. Nobody was serving the Lord. And you know what the Lord said? <laughs> Elijah, you might know, know this, but there's 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knees to Baal. But you know, disappointments will cause us to collapse from the inside. I know it happens in the ministry. You know, there was, there was an alarming statistics that I read many years ago from this, not only in Australia, but everywhere. The attrition rate among ministry was so high because of disappointments. And other factors, of course, stresses and other things too. We must deal with disappointments because if, if, if you're not disappointed, you know what will happen? You become disillusioned in the present. How many disillusioned Christians, let alone non-Christians, Disillusioned. One, they were in such a fire for God. What happened to that fire? Something came in. A toxic emotion. So we must deal with the sins and sinful habits. We must, number two, and the failures of the past. Number three, disappointment. Number four, number four, we must deal with the hurts of the past. Oh my, I'm already there. Okay, I'll have to really speed it on. I've asked uh, Gina to be my timekeeper. Okay, all right. So now, okay, the hurts of the past. The hurts of the past. Okay, Joseph is a good example of that. Summarizing the story, you know it. He was, he was betrayed by his brothers. You know, when somebody who's a stranger hurts you, it's nowhere near as painful as when somebody who's close to you hurts you. Well, he was, he was the second youngest of the 12. Only Benjamin was the youngest. And for the second youngest to be betrayed by his brothers. But you know, you know the story what happens. He, he, he goes to Egypt, doesn't know the language, doesn't, you know, the food is different, everything is different. He could have become a very bitter person. But instead of that, you know, he was a godly young man, 17-year-old when this happened. And he became a god. he was a godly man. God prospered him, brought him to a place where the blessings flowed, not only to his, him and his family, but to the whole Egyptian empire. 
And this is what he said when his brothers came to him. You made it for evil. You can't condone what they did. But God can turn what is wrong that people do and make it turn for good to work together for God. In all things, not all things, in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. We must deal with hurts God's way or you'll become a bitter person and bitterness is a defiling influence. Okay, now very quickly, four things you ought not to forget from the past. The first one is God. God is, of course, past, present, and future. Revelation says, who was and who is and who is to come. But just put down Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. The Lord said, you said, Pastor, I said, how can people forget God? Oh, yes. Especially when God prospers you. Dangerous time. Very easy to forget God. Very easy to forget God. So he was preparing them to enter the promised land. When you come to the land flowing with milk and honey, don't forget God. Do you know the history of Israel is? They constantly forgot God. That's why finally God had to evict them out of the land. Okay, second thing you must not forget, Deuteronomy says, God's word. But I'm challenged about this, brothers and sisters. What do you do with God's word that you hear every Sunday? You cannot have a passive response to it. Do whatever you can do. Record it, get a recording, whatever it is. But you must meditate. Reading is just not enough. Hearing is not enough. It goes from one ear to the other. Unless you've learned to meditate. Meditate means chewing it over, chewing it over. I'm not telling you to do what I don't do myself. I do it. Every day I do it. Chewing it over. Food. We eat, you know, at least three meals a day, plus a three other supplementary. All right? Uh, and what about the word of God which is food for us many years ago I made a commitment to the Lord no Bible no breakfast I don't make it for anybody else I said Lord I want to demonstrate my good faith I'm serious about your word of God I'm going to chew this other I want to be strong well I'm a pensioner now and I still love God's word every day hallelujah most exciting book Okay, third thing, don't, don't forget, don't forget God's deeds. The greatest deed of God is the cross. In the Old Testament, it was the Passover. Don't forget the Passover. Okay, all right. I'll have to do this in two parts. You'll have to call me back again because it'll be, I'll be rushing through this. My time is about up, okay? But, okay, so God's word, you know, we said about the God's deeds. In the Old Testament, what was the great deed? The great deed was the Passover. They were to remember the Passover. The Passover fulfilled in the cross. The cross is the fulfillment of that. That's why the Lord has left us with the Lord's table. Why is that? It means, twice he said, do this in remembrance of me. Just as this poppy is a remembrance of Anzac, the communion is a remembrance of the greatest event that the world ever knew, that through the cross he turned our human destiny. All right, the fourth one, and with this I'm finished this first part. Second part, we'll have to negotiate. Okay, here it is, God's warnings. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul quotes the history of Israel and says, learn from that. Though it happened 1,500 years ago, because if you don't learn from history, you are going to commit the same mistake again. Okay, so brothers and sisters, we must handle our past in God's way. If we do, you will use your time wisely in the present. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray, Lord, this message that you laid on my heart. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to your people. That in this hour, Lord, we don't know how long, God, before you come. But so we can, the best we can do, Lord, the wisest thing we can do is to make the best use of every day. Father, I pray that your people will meditate on what's been given today, Lord. Apply it to their lives. That, Lord, we might be, continue, this church might continue to be a great blessing to this community and beyond. And every single person seeking to maximize their finance, their, their money, their, uh, Lord, their time and their talent for the glory of God. Pray your richest blessing upon the church, the leadership of the church, Lord. And let your blessings continue. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.